Welcome back to the Physicians Helping Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Mudge Riley. I work in a non-clinical career, and I transitioned to that non-clinical career back in the early 2000s. I found it very difficult, so I now make it my mission to help other physicians who are looking at a career transition. Today, we have an amazing guest. His name is John Jerica, and you may have heard of him if you're part of any of the Facebook groups, or you may have listened to his podcast. He has over 50 episodes, of which I'm sure he will refer to some of them, which is great, because how do you know how to cull through them, right? So with, with that in mind, I'm going to introduce John and let him tell you a little bit about himself. Hi, John. Hi, Michelle. I'm really pumped to be here today. Yeah, I am so excited to hear about everything, your transitions and how you got into what you're doing now and why you decided to do it. I know that everyone who's considering a career transition is kind of trying to figure out their own unique path. And so hearing about others' paths is so helpful for people. So let's just get right into it. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you did and what you do now. Okay. Uh, let me just go way back to the educational piece. I did all of my training, undergrad, med school, and residency in Illinois through the University of Illinois. And after family medicine residency was done, I started a small practice with two other partners and just did the clinical thing for a while. Um, I liked, I really enjoyed doing clinical medicine, but I found myself drawn to other things. I did a couple of side gigs along the way. Um, I was a medical director for a family planning clinic. I was a medical director for an occupational medicine clinic. And then uh, along the way, I obtained some more training. I got a master's in public health and started attending classes through the American Association for Physician Leadership and ultimately landed a job at my local hospital as a VP for medical affairs. So that was fun. Uh, eventually became the CMO of that hospital. Really enjoyed that. But uh, as I was going closer towards the end of my career, I thought, well, I need maybe a little more flexibility. So uh, I suddenly decided to go back to be an entrepreneur and open an urgent care clinic with some other investors and a business partner and so I've been doing that for the last three and a half years. And then once I had that established for about a year, I started a blog and then that morphed into a podcast. And so that's what I'm doing now. I'm working half time as an urgent care medical director and provider and publishing a weekly podcast that's posted on my blog. And, and uh, that's how I'm keeping busy these days. Wow. Okay. So you have done a lot of different things. What originally caused you to think that you might be interested in, in administration? Was it some of those side gigs that you had participated in or started or, or just done before that, before you went back to school? Yeah, it wasn't really a master plan. I just always was interested in doing other things. Although I'm an introvert by nature, I just like helping out. And if you've been ever in a hospital environment, you'll know that they're always looking for someone to attend a committee, potentially chair a committee, because it's hard to get people to volunteer. So I started doing that. I was attending all kinds of meetings. They needed someone to work in the urgent or in the occupational medicine clinic. So I started that. And that's what actually kind of 
uh, encouraged me to do the master's in public health because it was a focus on occupational medicine. And then as I was doing that, the thing that occurred to me and I realized was that I was helping a lot more people by helping to coordinate teams, lead different projects. And so while I liked providing care one-on-one -on -one to my patients, I found that I could you know, help more patients by working on these larger initiatives. And so then I approached the, uh, the CEO and asked what he thought about getting the first VPMA for the hospital. He said, that's a great idea because that, that was a time when hospitals were really starting to recruit physician executives. And so, uh, yeah, I was attracted to that. And once I made that transition, it really did turn out to be as kind of challenging and fun as I thought it would be because we were working on big quality initiatives. We were trying to reduce mortality and length of stay. Uh, we were working on trying to improve the finances of the hospital, and I got to work with an excellent team of nine or ten other uh, hospital executives. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't that I didn't like medical care or health care, although I did have probably, I did experience a few of those burnout symptoms that physicians, you know, often talk about today, but it was as much a draw towards that, that different kind of career and helping larger populations of patients that ultimately made me make that decision. Yeah, yeah, which is so common. There are so many of us who really feel that pull of uh, helping patients on a different level or helping them in a broader sense. So I definitely understand that. I felt very similarly to, to that as well. So tell us a little bit more about how you were able to convince people to create different roles for you and, and allow you to move into those administrative positions and reduce your clinical time? Because that really is a big problem, I think, for many physicians who are trying to do the same thing that you did. Yeah, it's been a while since I thought about that. But yeah, it was, you have to do two things. You have to convince the employer, the new employer, the hospital employer in my case, that, okay, I can do this job part-time while still doing some clinical. Then I had to convince my at the time, two partners that, you know, I can still carry some of the weight, do some of the call, but I'm going to be cutting my hours back and essentially cut down to, I think it was a 0.6 FTE at one point and then ultimately a 0.5. And then eventually I had to start my own practice. I actually left the two partners, but we had some conversations and it really, you know, we always fear those conversations. I talked to many physicians that are interested in career change you know, as part of the blog and podcast. And, you know, they often say, well, they're not going to accept this. But the reality is if you step up and just, you know, honestly have a conversation with your employer or your partners, I think they understand. And most of the time they will accommodate, particularly if they're afraid of losing you, they can always backfill, you know, the part that you're not providing as you withdraw clinically. And so, you know, I, I'd say I would just encourage everyone to, you know, have those kind of fierce conversations and just be honest and, and, and be as proactive as you can. You don't want to approach somebody and say, yeah, I'm leaving, you know, in a month to do this other job or I want to cut back 50%. Now you got to give them months, if you know, maybe even a full year to kind of adjust to the idea. Yeah, I think that is great advice, just having those conversations, because sometimes it really is that easy. And we're all afraid of sometimes having those conversations. But at, at the end of the day, you really don't lose. I mean, if you're being authentic and you're able to let people know where you're at, you're valuable as a physician and you've been contributing. So it's likely that they're going to help you to figure out what it is you need and 
what you can bring as long as it all kind of meshes together along with the needs of the clinic or the hospital or whatever. So good job. Sounds like you're just naturally good at that. That's, that's great. Um, okay. Well, cool. So you got into administration and when did you start thinking about this podcasting idea? Well, here's how it evolved. I was, I was into my 15th year working in the hospital administration. I had stopped doing clinical completely for about three years. And one of the other threads that's kind of gone through my career change has been a, this issue of flexibility. When I went from clinical to hospital uh, management, I did increase my flexibility. You know, as a, as a clinician in a small practice, you know, you're on call every third day and there was like zero flexibility. It was impossible to get vacations without a lot of coordination. So moving to the management career helped, you know, I had four or five weeks of vacation, but as I approached my 15th year in that situation, I realized that, you know, I wanted a little more flexibility. So I decided, you know, I'm going to move into a career where I can set my own schedule. So that's where going back into clinical medicine occurred. And I partners, partnered with some people to start an urgent care center and with the idea that I would eventually phase out and then do something else, which is what I did. So I started the urgent care center. I'm the medical director and one of the partners. And I started that full time to get it off the ground. And then I gradually cut my time back to uh, basically eight shifts a month. And then, so after doing that for a year and starting that transition, I thought, well, I like writing, I like um, challenges, I like doing new things, and I was interested in writing. So I thought, well, maybe starting a blog would be a good way to learn how to write. And then I wanted to share the information and the educational aspects that I had learned going through my career transition. So I started my blog called Vital Physician Executive. And I just started writing about my experiences and the various aspects of my career as a hospital physician executive. And it became clear to me because I was listening to a lot of podcasts that blogging was fun, but it wasn't quite as intimate as podcasting. So I started to listen to a lot of podcasts and I thought, well, I can make a bigger impact, I think by actually starting a podcast. My plan was to do the blog and the podcast both, one episode a week, but the podcast is a little bit overwhelming. So I've, I've really not posted very many blog posts in the last year. I, I wrote over a hundred posts before I started the podcast. And then about a year ago, I started the podcast. And I will say that if I look back at the blog posts and the stats there, since I started that, many of those posts have maybe three, 400 downloads. And just doing the podcast for a year, most of my recent podcast episodes are getting anywhere from 300 to 500 downloads in a period of, let's say, three to four weeks. So that's not a big number when you compare it to sort of big national podcasts. But for me, comparing the podcast to the blog, that was definitely an increase. And so I think I'm... When you listen to podcasts, the, the, the host gets into your head. So I think there's several hundred physicians out there running around with, with me in their head at least once a week. <laughs> that, that is great. And you're right. I mean, you do get a more, uh, a closer understanding of a perspective and a person and a situation when you hear a conversation versus just reading a perspective. And 
you know, I think some of this goes back to adult learning as well, adult learning theories, and how do you learn best? Is it audio, visual, or actually doing something? And although doing something has, I think, been shown to be the most effective way to learn something, we don't have that option here. So listening and reading are, are probably um, the best ways that we can help influence people. And, and that sounds like you really tapped into a good way to do it. So I love your data-driven approach. So what's your plan with the podcast? Well, let's see. Here's what I'm going to do. Initially, it was sort of a hobby, uh, but it, it, I think the podcast is going to sort of be the basis for uh, another career transition. Um, I'm going to ultimately uh, continue to phase out of my clinical activities, and I'm going to try to sort of ramp up the podcast, make it you know more and more professional, and my ultimate goal is to really become a resource for physicians um, looking to change careers and particularly to help them with the aspect of shifting into a hospital or a medical group management position. So um, I'm working on some projects there. I've created a lot of uh, free content for people. Uh, if they want to go on to the, uh, the blog slash podcast at vitalpe.net, they'll see all the blog posts are related to aspects of, of, of becoming a physician executive, basically. I mean, there's some other things in there, but the podcast, I'm going to continue and I'm, I'm working on some courses and some mentoring programs. And ultimately, um, I do want that to be able to sort of uh, pick up some of the financial slack in terms of selling some courses. But I guess I'd like to, you know, let your listeners why I'm really focused on this particular topic. Um, with the blog and podcast both, I, I always had these principles that I sort of uh, kept in mind as I was creating this content. And, and the first is that physicians are natural leaders. And so it's just not every physician is going to be the best ultimate leader, but by virtue of our training, the vigorousness of it and the intensity and the focus that's required, most physicians are really natural leaders and can play into that if they want to. The other aspect is that we need more physician leaders. Um, the best health systems in the country are run by physicians. And currently in this country, only about 6% of hospitals are run by physicians, whereas in the 50s, it was uh, upwards of 40, 50%. There were, it wasn't unusual for a hospital to be founded by a physician back in the day. But wow. so I'm really intent on encouraging more physicians to take that. Yeah. So that's and then the thing that's hit me recently with the podcast that really is driving me is that I really believe as you do that physicians deserve to enjoy a career that that brings them joy and that allows them to work in their zone of excellence which is a, a term I've recently adopted and I, I don't know if you've heard that term before or read um, Gay Hendricks book The Big Leap but I think it captures really what anybody looking for that ultimate ultimate career you should strive for zone of excellence i like hearing about that no i'm not familiar with that tell us a little bit more about that well actually i probably misspoke because zone of excellence is a great place to be here's the model that um, the author of that book talks about many of us at some point in our careers are in a zone of incompetence. So we're just doing a job we're not suited for. We don't know how to do it well and others should do it for us. And then we make our way into the zone of competence. Okay, you know how to you know, program a computer or, or do some other task or see patients in the office. 
but there might be people that can do that a little better than you. Um, and so you, most of us want to strive for that zone of excellence so where you really, you know exactly how to do what you're doing. You can do it well, but there's actually a zone above that. And that's the zone I should have been, should have mentioned. And that's the zone of genius. And I never considered, you know, that there's such a thing as a zone of genius. I thought the zone of excellence was, you know, hey, that's a good place to be. But the zone of genius is where only you can do that job that you're doing in the way that you're doing it. And when you're doing it, you're basically in a state of almost, you know, bliss or joy. It just becomes no longer a job, but something that you were just born to do. So, so that's the third sort of uh, principle that I've adopted recently. And that's what I want to help, uh, you know, physicians to do is to try and find and then achieve that that zone of genius uh, in their career. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and and look up, look that stuff up because it sounds like a really interesting theory and very true because I can identify with those different zones and the different things that I've done. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can as well. Um, so I'm curious, what's the best podcast episode that you've recorded or your, or your favorite one? Oh boy. Uh, let me see. Let me give you a couple that I think are interesting. Um, you know, one the one that's been most downloaded, I want to mention that one. And that was a one with a physician who had to leave her career because of a disability. Uh, she was injured while taking care of patients. Mm -hmm. And she, let's see, Stephanie here. I guess I should look at this, but, um, she had to leave because she was injured by a patient and she wasn't able to do surgery anymore. And so she found out along the way that she, her disability insurance was not gonna cover her disability at first. And so she had to do a lot of research and so forth, but came to find out that she ultimately did get some coverage and she learned so much about it that she decided to help other people. So she's become a disability broker. Gosh, I think that was episode 024. Um, wow. The other one I really liked was with uh, Tom Davis. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking at some of these numbers here. But so that was one of my favorites. Um, the other was a guy named um, Tom Davis who uh, got sick of clinical medicine and he decided to leave and start his own consulting business. And uh, he's kind of an, an example of a physician who really created an awesome online business. And again, okay, so here's Stephanie's is 023. And then uh, Tom Davis. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. He is in episode number. Well, this is embarrassing, isn't it? No, he's in episode number 047. So those are two of my favorites. Yeah. Well, gosh, you've done so many of them that I'm sure they all kind of run together. I mean, I definitely understand. I've recorded a lot of different videos of physicians talking about their careers. And they once you get past probably 10, you, you can't remember which ones were which. And so it does get overwhelming. I totally understand that. Um, thanks for looking those up because people may be very interested in going directly to those episodes. 
Yeah, we're kind of getting to the end here. So what I would love to hear about are a couple things. First of all, what do you like best about this career you've created for yourself? So these different routes that you've gone and different things that you've done, what, what has been the best part of it? I, could, I can kind of guess just based on one of the themes that you keep referring back to, but I'll let you go ahead and, and give us uh, what you think. Well, there's a couple things that come to mind. First of all, you know, it's interesting. You can reach your zone of genius in a particular area, but then as time goes on, that now you kind of fall back into the zone of excellence and you're looking for the next thing. So I like new challenges. And so I think that's one of the reasons I've gone from career to career. The other thread that's gone through there is the flexibility. So this most recent, you know, part-time work as a clinician and then doing the podcast and the, and the blog, I mean, definitely this is much more flexible than even my previous career. And ultimately when I get to do the, the podcast and blog uh, full time, I mean, it's completely location independent. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of flexibility. I can work on my own schedule. So between the challenges and the flexibility, I think those are two things that really keep me moving forward. Yeah, that's great. I can see that. What, what's the hardest part about it all? Well, I think change in general is hard, uh, even if you're sort of uh, naturally attracted to, to new things. But, you, you know, there's a lot of barriers that come up and just most of those are internal mindset. I'm, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm, I don't know if I can really do this. And with the podcast and the blog, really the biggest part of that has been simply the technical aspects of it, learning really a completely different sort of skill set that's completely different from clinical, of course, and even different from starting, you know, your own business or your practice. So uh, those are the two main ones, but not insurmountable and uh, I think anybody out there, including any physician that puts their mind to it, can, can overcome those kind of things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're all smart enough to really do anything. So that's definitely true. But I think the technical aspects are really challenging for a lot of us, me included. <laughs> uh, all right. So what are some of the best resources that you can recommend to physicians who may be interested in leadership or even podcasting? All right. Let's talk about leadership. For physicians, I mean, there's just one big resource everybody needs to know about and anyone interested in any form of leadership or management, and that's the AAPL, which is the American Association for Physician Leadership, and it can be found at physicianleaders.org, and let's see, I've been a member of that for 25 years. I've uh, actually completed a CPE, which is certification as a physician executive through the organization, and really... It has so many resources for those who are looking to get into management or an executive position in a hospital or a medical group or anywhere. It could be an insurance company, it could be uh, uh, pharma, anything. So it's an awesome organization. Um, beyond that, um, I think if someone's really thinking about going in that direction, uh, they could look at one of my uh, recent podcasts or listen at vitalpe.net forward slash episode 052. That one is kind of titled sort of like clickbait, how to become CMO in a year. Not that I expect someone to do that if they haven't prepared, but it, it kind of goes through what are the basic requirements that you would need that are a little bit beyond just being a clinician that would prepare you to become, let's say a chief medical officer or someone in that position. So those would be two good uh, references. 
Um, the third would be, and this is the only one that will require an email address and, you know, um, but it's a free guide that talks about three different careers in utilization management, uh, quality improvement, and let's see, informatics, it kind of would prepare you for a career. So you can get that by going to vitalpe.net forward slash free guide, F-R-E-E-G-U-I-D-E. And you can just put in your email and you'll get a, a, about a 25 page document that gives you all the resources you would need to uh, pursue one of those careers, which would then take you into ultimately a CMO or CMIO position. Wow, I bet that is a very cool document, 25 pages. Um, thanks for putting that together for people. I'm sure it will be helpful for those who are interested in leadership and administration. I know that would have been helpful for me years ago when I thought that would have, was going to be my path. So thanks for doing that. Um, any last pieces of advice for anyone before we sign off here? Well, you know, I've learned a lot through the podcast in the last year, more about physicians and their struggles. And uh, there have been several episodes where I've talked to physicians who really had been burned out quite a bit. And uh, so, I mean, a couple of things I would say, and just thinking back about the different people I've talked to is about is, is this, that uh, many of us have gone through that and there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And once you recognize, you can make a decision, you can change your current situation if and find maybe a better situation for yourself clinically if you decide that's not what you want to do there's so many careers out there that would probably fit you so that you can move into the zone of excellence and or the zone of genius and um, keep in mind that there is a whole universe of careers out there that the prerequisite is to be a medical school trained, residency trained, board certified physician. So it's not like you're you're going backwards. You're actually taking the step to the next level. So uh, with that, I would say, you know, be hopeful and uh, take advantage of the resources that are being provided by you, Michelle, and so many others now in this space and, uh, and including my podcast. Perfect. That's great. All right. Well, John, we've come to the end of our time together. So thank you for spending some time with us today. I know the listeners are so grateful and hopefully they will visit your website and check out those resources. Your podcast is excellent. I, I've listened to a number of different episodes and I can't even tell you which one is my favorite either because everyone's so different and um, that's what's neat about it is you get to hear the different perspectives from people and what they've decided to do. So again, thank you for taking so much time to do all that. It takes, I know how much time it takes. Um, all right. Well, we will hopefully talk to you at a future point and find out how the podcasts are doing for now. Thank you, John. And we will, uh, yes. I was going to say, it's been my pleasure and uh, you're welcome. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Perfect. Thanks guys. We'll, See you next time.